This is the sound of Saccade, a 90-second piece of music by the Grammy-winning songwriter and producer Flume. You can listen to the music and watch the animation that goes with it of a dilating pupil free on YouTube. It's beautiful, but is it worth $95,000? Because that's what someone has just paid to own it as an NFT. And they said they'd pay four times that. So the wild ride around NFTs continue. A digital artwork which took 13 years to create has sold for nearly $70 million at auction. A popular meme called Nyan Cat just sold for $580,000. This pack of football cards costs just one pound. And these cards have also gotten caught up in the NFT mania. Non-fungible tokens are digital tokens that enable true ownership of any kind of digital asset. You can't touch it, but you can own it. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly, and today on The Detail, the exploding world of non-fungible tokens. Now, non-fungible means that it's unique and it can't be replaced by something else, like a one-of-a-kind trading card. And they're one of the things that people are paying crazy cryptocurrency prices for. Plus, other things like... A song, artwork, or a moment in sports. Billions of dollars are being spent on NFTs. But here's where things get really crazy. And then today, Taco Bell, the esteemed Christie's of the fast food world, decided to jump in on the action and start selling NFTs of five different tacos. And even crazier. I can't help but revel in the fact that somebody might pay actual money for not even a fart, the idea of a fart, because these NFTs aren't farts. They're just digital alphanumeric strings that represent ownership. It's like buying a certificate that says one fart. The thing that grabbed me first was it says more than 14 million results. Does that mean there are more than 14 million things on this website? Yes, being sold right now, more than 14 million, and this is growing at an astronomical rate. I'm with Jacob Michaels in the RNZ studio looking at the OpenSea website, which has more than 14 million NFTs for sale. And Jacob is telling me why his small vineyard north of Auckland has become the first in the world to sell NFT wine. So we're taking a bit of a tour of the website, which claims to be the largest NFT marketplace. NFTs is the new thing. So um, it really kind of became big over the past several months where uh, people started to sell these these silly uh, little gifts. Mm. So we're looking at here. Yeah, we're looking at here. Uh, yeah. What does it say? Alpaca. 8-bit builder number 7. And it's just this silly-looking... Bobbing like head. A bobbing head of an alpaca. Bobbing head of an alpaca. And it's selling right here. You can see it says 0.05. That's mm. ether. Now, one ether is worth maybe 1800 US dollars, something like that. So this is about 120th of that. So that's uh, over 100 New Zealand dollars for this little bobbing head gift that someone probably spent about 30 seconds putting together. And there are buyers. Amazing. And, and the, the thing that I'm trying to get my head around, are you necessarily buying that or you, are you buying the token, the NFT, the non-fungible token, that says that you own that? Yeah. Well, so it's, they're, kind of, they're interchangeable. So you're buying this, which is represented by the token. Mm-hmm. So it's a unique token that when you make the payment, you receive that unique token into your wallet. I see. So physically, 
do you get that token? Or it's you, you digital. Can, it's, it's digital. digital. It's yeah. digital. So you have a digital wallet where you store Ether-related uh, tokens. Yeah. And this will show up in your Ether wallet saying you're the owner of this particular uh, token, which is represents this. Why would anybody be willing to pay $100 for that? Oh, I would say that's cheap. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, it's I, I don't have a good appreciation of art, but that looks like rubbish to me. Oh, it looks like rubbish to me as well. <laughs> um, I don't know why people are really willing to pay it. I think right now it's because it's there and it's new. And because an NFT is, by definition, it's unique, people want to own something that's unique, especially when it's early stages. So I think there is a bit of a bubble. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, we're probably going to see a pop somewhere down the line. We're probably not anywhere near the near the end right now. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you maybe you talked about people's mm-hmm. 60-something million dollar U.S. dollar sale just yeah. recently. The piece is called Every Days, the first 5,000 days, and is the work of an artist better known as Beeple, who's now the third most valuable living artist behind Jeff Koons and Dave Hockney in the world. I think that really is just the tip of the iceberg. Have you seen Mark Cuban's? Uh, no. Actually, Should we look at to, that? If you type okay. in Mark Cuban here, I think it'll come up. Mark Cuban. Do you know Mark Cuban? No. Um, oh, Mark Cuban is a very famous entrepreneur in the U.S. Get out there. Ready, fire, aim. Go. When I go to talk in colleges in particular, it's like, will you help me? Will you help me? Will you help me? Help your, yourself, <laughs> right? <laughs> He owns the Dallas Mavericks as well. Basketball team. He's also one of the key sharks on Shark Tank. Mm. And he had, several weeks ago, put out a some kind of a dancing gif and as a joke and put it up on here. And I think it sold for like $5,000 per thing. He, put, he made 10 of these. Yeah. And they got snapped up instantly. It's like, again, the early days of the internet when you had Napster and, P- and you had the old school music companies trying to, you know, stop everybody and sue everybody. This changes that game completely now with digital goods. And look at this, this little thing he just put out. So we're looking at Hands on Hands Collectible, the Mark Cuban experience. All it is is a video of him putting up his fingers one at a time. (laughs) And on each top of each finger, there's another hand with fingers going up over each of his fingers. Just silly. It's an augmented reality gif, lasts a few seconds. And look at the price right here. Mm. Seven people have bought it, seven owners total, 25 total, um, at each valued at around over 500 US dollars for this little thing. For that. Okay, yeah, that's really funny, but you can you can sort of share that on Instagram or Twitter for nothing that's and right. get it for nothing. That's right. So why are people buying mm. it? That's a very good question. I think it just comes down to the fact that this is a brand new idea. And it's unique. People can own it themselves. So they can say, I own this exact file. Nobody else in the world owns it. Um, and I think that scarcity by itself in okay. uniqueness is what drives people to buy it. But it's also, is it a bit, you know, show-offy? Look at what I've got. I got this for $530. I think it could be. But I think there are also people who are taking a more investor-minded approach to this. Um there are many people who would be buying something like this, knowing it's scarce, knowing Mark Cuban only put out, I think, 25 of these from what I can see here. So one person may have spent, let's say, you know, $5,000 to buy 10 of them. Mm. And then what happens is maybe next month or maybe immediately, he puts it back out on the marketplace for 10 times that price and it gets bought later. Look at NFTs as being such a blank slate, honestly, even beyond digital art. 
That's the artist known as Beeple, now a multi, multi, multi-millionaire thanks to the sale of his digital artwork. I really think this is a technology that has just so many use cases and it's such a blank slate. Um, and with restrictions, with COVID, we're honestly not even able to see a lot of the use cases. So I really feel like we're just at the beginning of, of sort of scratching the surface of what this could be used for. There's people with money to waste, really. In the crypto market scene... There are a lot of people with money to waste, a lot of people with a lot of money to waste. And it's really incredible because some of these people could be teenagers in their mother's basement um, who have struck gold over the past few years mm. with some of these crypto coins, and they become multi-multi-millionaires just out of sheer dumb luck and just being interested in something that's growing so fast. Mm. And so they're looking at, you know, at uh, places to, to put their money into. Is that why you got in, into NFT wine? Tell us your story now. Okay. So I got interested in blockchain originally in Korea. Mm-hmm. So I was a, uh, invested in property in Korea as well. And through that, um, I was introduced to a friend of mine who was starting a blockchain company focused on property. That's when he came across cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. But at first... He scoffed at it. I thought it was this was ridiculous. And this is maybe six years ago. I thought this is silly, you know, virtual money. Who wants to put their real money into virtual money? Then he started changing his mind. I bought into Ether, for example, when it was $38 and now it's $1,800. So I became a big believer, not just the fact that it was growing, but I can see, you know, that there's a lot of new technology that's being built on these platforms and blockchain. And I think it's going to revolutionize just all different kinds of industries, the same way the Internet has. Oh, 30, 20, 30 years ago now. That got him into non-fungible tokens, and he started thinking... What do I have that's very unique and high value that would make sense to sell it as an NFT? And the thing that came to mind was our messenger wines. So our messenger wines are, um, we like to think, New Zealand's most premium uh, quality wines, very unique. We're the only winery in the world, only vineyard in the world, that carries a certain variety of old-world Bordeaux, Malbec grapes. And when did Joe put the first NFT wine? Is that how you call it, NFT wine? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, sh- shall we have a look? Type yeah, that well, in. you can just type in Messenger into OpenSea website. Yeah. Messenger wine. There we go. Okay. So here's our label. And this is, we actually sold it uh, what's called on premiere, which means um, before it's bottled. Okay. So this is a, a, a very common way of selling investment-grade wine um, in, in France, and that's what I've applied to mm-hmm. um, NFTs. So the idea is that an investor who buys it on Premier, they're buying at a often a slight discount uh, where they expect the future value to be higher than it is right now. And those wines will traditionally be um, bought and sold where the investor doesn't even see the wine. It's sitting in a vault somewhere in London or wherever. So... I've just applied the same concept to um, to selling on the blockchain as an NFT. And the people who buy it, they are never going to see that wine? Oh, they can see the wine. Oh, or, or so, they'd, they'd never have it physically? They could, if they oh, want. Okay. And, and they could drink it? They could drink it. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, they're, they're not buying a picture. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unlike, unlike some of these other things. But what a wine NFT really represents is this is just representative ownership of the physical bottle of wine. So um, I've sold bottles number 51 through 100, and each individual owner who bought it will own a specific number of 
uh, one. We actually sold out in two weeks. Um, we sold it at 0.15 ether each, which is um, over 350 New Zealand dollars per bottle. Um, so we're very happy. With wow. That. Yeah. Who are the buyers? Do you know? No. So you can see who the buyers are here with mm. some of the buyers, like for this one. Unlike more traditional marketplaces where you can click in, you potentially could see a lot more information. Mm. That uh, says 5M1T. This is yeah. the buyer, this green guy with a beard. And you can see it looks like he's bought all these other ones as well. Yeah. And so you don't know what this buyer is going to do with it, whether he'll just hold on to it or sell it on. I think most likely they're going to be selling it on. And and they're probably going to come out very well ahead because many people are buying these kinds of NFTs um, that they think are just going to, you know, it's very scarce. They, they have confidence it's going to go up. They'll buy it and then maybe immediately put it up back up in the marketplace for 10 times the price. And it'll get sold um, maybe next week, maybe two months later, but it generally gets sold. And that's what's really been driving this is it's a uh, people kind of view it as being a gold rush. And so all these individual investors are buying up everything they can see and then reselling it because there's lots of buyers. Some of these sales are generating hundreds of thousands of dollars in a five to seven minute window. And some have generated millions of dollars for the artist in a five to seven minute window. Now, I don't think that's really sustainable, you know, people putting up all kinds of ridiculous things up there. But in our case, I mean, we're selling actual physical product. It's just represented by the um, NFT. Again, though, I come back to the question, why would I buy NFT wine as opposed to just, you know, coming to you directly and saying, mm. well, I would like to invest in one of your wines? I think it's a kind of similar question as, you know, why would somebody buy Mark Cuban's finger hand uh, gif when they could actually probably go on YouTube and it's probably uploaded on YouTube right now. Yeah, it's part of this fad, is it? Part of this craze? I think it's part of the craze and it's part of the fact that it is unique and you do claim ownership over that and no one else has it. And do you feel like governments have got a grip on this? No. Not at all. It's not black market but it's sort of going on without regulation, isn't it? Well, actually, I would not say that. Governments the past few years have made some huge strides in getting a grip on um, on cryptocurrencies and who owns them. Because you can see right here, this guy on the open sea, it's, we don't know mm. who he is. And that's by design. People don't want to share their identity. Um, and some of it is just personal belief. They want to be stay anonymous. Um, some of it could be that well, they they want to hide, you know, their assets from whatever government. That's uh, I think that's also very common. Mm. They like having assets in cryptocurrency, so on the blockchain. And actually, I, I don't think there has to be anything nefarious about it. I think that um, this is where the future is going. So transacting money via the blockchain is way cheaper, oftentimes way faster than trying to send money else uh, through traditional means. So I don't think they're they're not in the dark. They're very well aware of it, and they've been working on this quite intensely, I think, over the past few years. These collections have forever changed the lives of many of the artists that have put them up. Young people tend to be the ones who are most open to new technological changes. Yeah. And so they are definitely way more able to be easily exposed to this kind of thing. And if they're smart about it right now... They can take their art, they can digitize it, which really could be as simple, I think, as taking a picture of it, 
um, uploading it themselves, creating an account on OpenSea, uploading it and selling it. And many people are doing that right now. And they're making a lot of money and they're being blown away by the reaction. The buyer of that $69 million Beeple goes by the pseudonym Metacoban. He is the anonymous angel investor, entrepreneur, an Ethereum whale, and NFT collector. <laughs> um, uh, that's, a, that's a really big message to everybody in the art world saying, hey, a different kind of art is being valued by a different type of person with a different type of money. And uh, some of the art world's biggest institutions are willing to, you know, be a part of that and kind of change culture and change what's seen as valuable. So, yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal. Meet Simon Denny, Kiwi artist living in New York. He's talking there about the auction house Christie's selling the first ever NFT, the Beeple work. Simon's just started selling his own NFTs. I've been following the development of cryptocurrency um, and Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies like Ethereum for a long time now. And I've just seen them grow from a small project that seemed like a speculative exercise in digital money into like a whole new internet. And NFTs, I think, are the latest stage in this development of digital money and how that's kind of taking over the internet and in some ways the financial world and the art world too. Is it that someone who buys your artwork, your NFT, so it's not the artwork, it's an NFT, they're not going to be putting that NFT up on the wall or putting right. it in the corner. Is that right? Right. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, there are, you know, uh, NFTs is just a format. Maybe that's, worth, maybe that's worth saying. So it's like, it's just a place in a database. It's a sort of way to store a list of who owns what. The NFT is just the kind of container, the digital container for any kind of asset, really. So you can put a JPEG in there, you can put an image, a, a video in there, but the NFT makes it possible to uh, have a list of who owns it and who transacted on it and you know who gave it to whom when. But I think the, the part that's really important about NFTs is that it means you can trade them and sell them online on a marketplace using cryptocurrency to buy them and sell them. And you can see who bought it when. So it's kind of just showing ownership. Provenance is a word that gets often used uh, in, in the art context um, for who owned what when. And so is it more about the investment rather than the visual thing? Is it more about yeah thinking that you might make money from this rather than you might look at it as a thing of beauty or a thing that you love? No, I don't think so. I think that's maybe I've maybe led you uh, down the wrong path with that. Um, I think you know the people who are buying NFT artworks do like the way they look at uh, do like the way they look. Um, but in the past, uh, it's been not possible to kind of own uh, or, or 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 buy it like you would a painting or a or a sculpture, right? So uh, I guess the claim now with NFTs is that there's a way to own a digital artwork um, that lives on the internet, that's made for the internet, in the same way that you would own a painting or a sculpture at home that you think is really important and moves you as well, you know? So it's not tangible then? You can't touch it, can How do you, you? mean tangible? Well, well, I mean, it's not... You can't touch it. I don't know. I mean, you can... You can, you can touch, touch the screen, screen. Yeah. yeah. But you can't touch <laughs> yeah, it Yeah, but like I mean, a... it's a bit like journalism, right? You guys work in, in radio and, and, uh, and newspapers and whatever, and, and now most people get that over the internet. It's the same with art. I think uh, people will be seeing often images of exhibitions and images of artworks and galleries rather than going and seeing them in person. Do you think this is just a fad? 
No, like it or not, um, for good or for bad, I don't think it's just a fad. I think there's, um, there's too much cryptocurrency out there and there's too many reasons why that cryptocurrency uh, is needed to be, uh, I guess, moving in other things than just finance. So in a way, NFTs and the, and the kind of hype around them is a sort of, I guess, indicator that, um, that the wealth and money uh, that has, uh, has kind of been created in that system wants to go into other places, wants to enter into culture. Um, and because uh, culture can be a legitimizing uh, context for uh, money, right? You know, wealthy people often buy art as an asset, but also to show uh, that they are um, good people, that they have, uh, it, you know, sophisticated interests. And museums also um, buy things for the same reason. And I think there's so many people who uh, are seeing a trend and seeing a way to also, uh, from the creator's perspective, financialize their work. A lot of, a lot of artists making, um, making artwork find it difficult to get paid. You know, it's a, it's a difficult industry to, um, to do well in. And, uh, and there's a lot more artists out there than, uh, than people that can support themselves from making their art. So I think the, the promise of uh, getting uh, compensated uh, for your creative work um, in a new way, especially digital work, which is even harder to sell often, um, is, is really enticing to creators. What about the controversy over the environmental cost of all of this? The transaction is, has a huge footprint? Well, it's not exactly the transaction. It's actually the whole network. So like I said before, um, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum uh, run, run these computers all around the world. And they take a lot of power to run because uh, they're doing um, special cryptographic work um, that keeps the network safe um, and makes it uh, kind of able to run on its own without uh, people checking up on it. Um, uh, but that's really expensive, uh, quote unquote, in terms of power. So I think people are getting really up, uh, you know, upset about the fact that this new network takes a lot of power and therefore has a huge environmental impact. And this is what is supporting the sales of these NFTs. Uh, but does it but worry you, Simon? Does it worry you? Yes, it does. Actually, my uh, NFT is about this. I made an NFT offset. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard carbon offsets uh, where people yes. kind of... Uh, pay for planting trees when they take an airplane. I'm doing an NFT offset, which is kind of gesturing towards these ideas. So I'm buying a mining computer, a, a computer that um, you would usually put on a blockchain um, to kind of keep the network up. I'm buying it on eBay. And instead of uh, keeping the cryptocurrency network up, I'm putting that towards a, a climate model that is being built by scientists using a similar centralized computer network. And then I'm instead issuing a, an NFT of a picture of that uh, computer, uh, and that's my NFT. So I'm taking something out of the cryptocurrency network, putting it towards climate, and, and, and launching an image of it as a kind of a, a marker for what I've done. <laughs> I'm going to have to go away and think about that. That's good. It's supposed to make you think. Yeah. That's what artwork uh, is all about. That's it for today. Rangi Poak engineered this episode and Alexia Russell produced it. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Thanks to Jacob Michaels and Simon Denny. Kakite anō. Thank you.